rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I think of all the things that date the X-Files as a television show, uh, the thing that dates it the most is the leg room that is available in the coach section of the aircraft in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know this is this, except for the whole, you know, being shot down and getting it decked by aliens. It looks like a lovely flight. Yeah, it looks fine. I mean, everyone seems to be uh, having a fine flight. There's there's a lot of empty seats on the plane, so people can stretch out. Uh, there's quite a bit of leg room, enough bathrooms. It seems comfortable. I'm really nervous because I'm about to go on a plane in a couple weeks and, you know, watching stuff like this is not, you know, great. Well, it's okay, Richard, because 2017 was the first year in a very long time that had zero deaths from uh, plane crashes. Oh, God. So we're fucking overdue. Thank you. That's not well, Donald Trump took Donald Trump took credit for it. So, you know, that we're going to all die in a plane crash this year. Apparently. I hope he dies in a plane crash. But that's a different story. That's a different story. So, uh, Tempest Fugit Max, so we'll, we'll do our normal thing when we have a two-parter that, that uh, falls in the same uh, episode of the podcast. We're, we're not going to talk about these as two separate episodes, although I think we probably could because these are very distinct in, in, in a certain sense, uh, especially with the, the set piece in the second episode that, that takes place over like five minutes. But I mean, I see why The X-Files is very soon going to have a movie. Like, this is trying to be a a movie style story in a way i mean it's trying to the the two-parter episodes are trying to tell a story over two hours and you know in you know in some ways that's a much as the x-files is anticipating uh the later serialized storytelling uh it is also trying to transcend television in its mythology episodes again it's trying to tell a singular story over a chunk I mean, certainly, yeah, I think on a storytelling sense, the X-Files is, is obviously stretching, uh, you know, the limits of, of what people were doing with, with television at the time, uh, you know, aside from a couple of small examples. Uh, I think that it also is trying to stretch it in terms of the, the visual look of it and the yeah. sort of, I think really not, it's not experimental, but it is uh, uh, ambitious, I think is the right word mm. for it. That, uh, you know, they did construct, um, I believe they did construct uh, this plane set for the episode. Uh, it, it was like on hydraulics and it moved. And, you know, part of that is just the show had a much higher budget. It was a, a big hit at this point, but it, it, it feels really vital and it feels really well done in yeah. a way that the best X-Files mythology episodes do. And, you know, I know last week, you, you, you know, you weren't excited for another mythology episode, but well, this is one that works because it, once again, like uh, uh, Memento Mori from last week, it's it's grounded in, you know, character stuff. It's grounded in emotion and it's not... It it doesn't feature like the the mythology stuff that we have come to yeah. sort of not appreciate very much. This is a very oddly enough an old school mythology episode in some way. Like this could be uh, again, except for the obvious extra budget and the obvious character work and stuff like Sully's cancer. Um, in terms of plot elements, this could be a first season episode. We have alien abductions. We have, you know, shadowy military groups. We don't have any of this hybrid crap. We don't have any black oil. There's no mention of smallpox vaccines or anything like that. Uh, we don't even see the cigarette smoking man or the, you know, the, the syndicate or anything like that. Um, I feel, you know, these, this is some of the best mythology two-parters we've had in a while. And I think it is because it is so, back to basics kind of 
Yeah, in, in a weird way. I mean, it's it, it's a, it's a strange um, episode to to happen at this point because you know we record these a little bit ahead of time, and the the season the season eleven premiere I just watched um, last week, and uh, it's it's terrible. So yeah. you have that to look forward to in, in a year or so, but. Uh, <laughs> And it, it kind of, you know, part of the mythology with the with the reboot, or I guess it's not a reboot, the revival. I'll say it is. It is a pet peeve of mine when people use those terms wrong because, you know, a revival and a reboot are two very different things. A reboot but, would be Scully goes into Mulder's office for the first time and joins the X Files. This is right, yeah, with different later. different yeah. actors and all that kind of stuff. Um, a revival is, you know, the same continuity, the same actors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, although that is arguable. But, you know, with something like Star Trek Discovery, for example, casting different actors for for roles that first appeared in the original series. But you mm. kind of have to because that was 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, part of it is that, like, this is kind of a, a reset of the mythology in a way. You could almost say, you know what, let's just avoid this. But the, the season 10 and season 11 mythology is also sort of a reset as well. And it's much less successful. And we will talk about that, you know, when we get to to seasons 10 and 11 uh, in a bit. But it's good because this is a very back to basics episode. It doesn't have much resolution. It it doesn't really like I, you know, you could look at this and say, well, what happened? Right. Like there was yeah. no resolution to the to the crash. No one knows what Max had. Uh, we don't know why he died. Why did they bring this character back just to kill him? Uh, but in a certain sense, it is a way for the show to go back to the very beginning and to, I think, tell those mythology stories it was telling in the first and second seasons before yeah. all of the black oil and the hybrid stuff was happening and, and the syndicate and all that stuff and say, what could we do now that we have more experience, a higher budget all these things, right? What what could we do with that now? And the answer is what they could do is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we we I know that they're gonna bring the black oil and the hybrids and all of that back, right? Like, I, you know, again, I've seen the movie. I know that that's going to deal with black oil. I know all of this is going to happen, and in some ways, that's kind of a shame because this could represent a moment of pruning, right? Like, it's. You know, okay, we're going to go back in this direction, and if we never mention the black oil again, we'll probably forget about it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the. I mean, I, I, I guess the question is, what do we get out of this episode then? If they're taking away some of the new plot elements, if there are no real new plot elements introduced to this, uh, what do we get from this episode? And. I think what we get in this episode is them – is Mulder and Scully almost losing their faith in the quest for a little bit and trying to, well, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? And it is ultimately to realize that the people who are hurt by the conspiracy – and there are a lot of people being hurt by this conspiracy. It's their vocation to make sure they have not died in vain. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you also have to place it in context with, you know, Scully's cancer story now as well, yeah. because Scully was abducted. They they don't know by who, uh, but the, the assumption is is aliens, but, but who really knows? Um, you know, at this point, the show seems to be saying that the syndicate is somewhat in league with the aliens and they are doing something with these abductees in terms of smallpox vaccinations and 
and the black oil. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, we don't need to know the details. I'm not even really sure that the show cares about the details. Yeah, I mean, this this, this episode seems to go with there is alien tech. The government has stolen the alien tech for military purposes and is hiding that. And that's about as much as the conspiracy needs to be, frankly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you. But but I think that, that what is so interesting about Tempest Fugit and Max is that, you know, it goes back to a character that appeared before, of course. I mean, Max appeared in the first season episode, Fallen Angel. Mulder met him uh, when he was trying to break into that military base, and they found Max's, uh, you know, a uh, trailer and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and Max was an interesting character. He was a, a very memorable character. And I think that, I mean, I, I mean, did you mer- remember him? I had to look him up, but his tra- I remembered his trailer more than I did him. Um, what I did remember is that um, he did feel like kind of an early draft of the Lone Gunman in some ways. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, th- this allows him – again, we-, we know that the Lone Gunmen are – bulletproof at this point nobody is going to kill them they're never going to be in any serious danger any predicaments they may or may not get into is going to be that you know they'll they'll get out of it because they are too popular of characters but max is not a person who's you know protected in any way and you know it would have i wish that we had seen him once or twice before you know as in addition i wish that he had popped up once because i didn't remember him at first in a certain sense, yes, and in a certain sense, no. I mean, yeah. I think that the character, the the character, it's enough that the show tells you that Mulder and Scully knew him, and that had yeah. they had a case with him that involved him before. I think if you know, you have to remember that the first the first season episode he appeared in Fallen Angel, I believe, was the ninth episode of the show. Yeah, and so the the you know the the number of people watching the show in the fourth season is obviously much higher than we're watching it in the first season, and so it's almost like a little Easter egg to the the fans of the show that have stuck with it since the beginning. You know, I didn't even start watching the show until the second season, um, and I only started watching it because a friend of mine told me about it, and I, I was over at his house. I think I was what this was nineteen ninety four. 1995 yeah. so i would just like you know 14 years old for 13 14 years old and kind of perfect age for it yeah <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i mean i locked into it at that age and you know he said oh have you seen the show the x-files you know it's friday night and let's watch it and uh because you know that's the type of teenagers we were we were you know yeah. uh, uh home on a friday night watching the x-files and that's the only reason that that i started watching the show and so the number of people watching it in the first season this is almost like an easter egg to them yeah uh, you know I, I i i wouldn't say it harmed the episode in any way because um, it doesn't, you know, like you said, I mean, Max was not a super important character in the show. I mean, he was never mentioned again, I don't recall. And for the show to bring him back now is a, a really interesting decision because I think that part of the X-Files and part of what's so interesting about it is that the the seasons do go through these sort of uh, cycles. They do return to things. You know, Scully's cancer arc is going back to something that started in the beginning of the second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max as a, as a character in this storyline is going back to something that from the first season. And this is the show, I think, starting to pay off those earlier building blocks. You know, it, this is also an episode which posits, well, this could have happened to 
Scully, right? Like, yeah. Scully was abducted. This is the worst case scenario for an adult, ab- abductee. And Max is dead. The show never plays around with the idea that he could not be dead, which I think the show... Yeah. Um, you know, The X-Files is not a show that necessarily shows a lot of restraint in the mythology episodes sometimes, but that's a really interesting decision because you can certainly see another version of this episode that has Max... Oh, maybe he was a clone. Maybe he... You know, and, and but it's never, never the case yeah, yeah, that yeah. he's dead. Everyone knows he's dead. Everyone accepts that. Yeah, he is just a poor guy who is in the wrong place at the wrong time who, for whatever reason, the aliens fixated on him and... You know, you know, he's driven enough that he's trying to figure out what happens, and he unfortunately gets caught in some crossfire. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's really sad in a way because you know that that tape that Mulder finds in his trailer and watching, mm. he's talking about how you know he he wanted a you know a quiet life, but he got abducted. He doesn't really want to deal with people, and he likes being alone and on his own and things like that. And, you know, those are impulses that, that I can, um, you know, that I can sympathize with as well. I mean, I'm kind of with Mulder and Max, where I think that living in that trailer would be kind of cool. Uh, I yeah. like small spaces. I, I don't like to have a lot of stuff and, you know, things like that. I mean, I'm not a person who um, ever really wants to own a house. I don't care about having a lot of stuff. So I understand those impulses. And Max has always been a character that is, is kind of near and dear to my heart in a way because he is such a, a pure spirit in a sense. And there's never, we never find anything out about him bad or anything like that. He's just yeah. a guy that got dealt a shitty hand and is doing the best he can with it. Yeah. And again, again, this, this show kind of goes out of its way to identify Mulder with him. And, you know, there is a degree of thereby the grace of God go I. If Mulder had been abducted rather than just his sister, Mulder would probably be living in the trailer. You know, Mulder would not have been, you know, Mulder obviously, you know, his intellect is such that he's able to be, you know, have a career in the FBI, however tenuous. Um, and and his know, skill, too. I mean, let's yeah, not oh, forget. Well, I, I filed that under intellect, but yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, but at the same time, just as, you know, Max has found himself in this trailer probably working you know, whatever shitty odd jobs he can find. I mean, how is he making his money? You know, he's eating tin beans, so he's, you know, not, he's probably pretty poor. All of his money is spent on UFO-related shit um, and soul-coughing tapes, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is also the moment in this episode that really <laughs> strikes it as like a 19, mid-90s episode. <laughs> but, um... You know, Mulder is just a little luckier, but at the same time, he doesn't have an illustrious career in the FBI because of his drive for the truth, because of his crusade for this information. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a real sadness to this episode as well, because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, what did Max die for? You know, we, we don't know. And, and, and he was trying to bring this device to Mulder, it seems, mm-hmm. because he had his card on him. But... You know, what would Mulder have done with it? And even if Max had gotten there, there's no indication that Mulder would have been able to do anything with it. It it seems like these people are one step ahead at all times. And I mean, I do love the fact that Mulder thinks that that drink card is going to uh, you know, huh. keep the guy in the bathroom when it's on wheels. I don't know what he was thinking. Huh. Uh, but no, I know. But it's, it's really the whole episode is imbued with the sadness. And I think it's because... There is no point to this. And I think it's, you know, Mulder and Scully are on this quest, n- not because they want to be, but because they have to be. 
Yeah, I mean, even sadder than, uh, you know, Max's death, because at least Max's death had a... I mean, this... the. The downing of the plane is a clusterfuck, right? Like, they're trying to attack this alien ship. They accidentally, you know, shoot down this plane as a, you know, result of it. And, like, there's babies and 13-year-old girls on this plane who are just, you know, random people. You know, there's just random people on this plane. You know, they don't even have anything to do with the larger thing. At least we can say, well, you know... But again, it's not as if they, you know, we can say, well, Max was silenced and there, you know, that there you go. Uh... He didn't die because he was silenced. He died just because this was a clusterfuck. Yeah, and the other the other thing that that's strange about that as well is, and, and we don't know exactly what happened. Of course, I mean the the yeah. scene that the, we see what happened on that plane is conjecture. You know that yeah. that's the other part of it that that the episode is playing with ideas of theory and ideas of of dramatization and and part of that which is so uh, interesting to me is that that entire set piece in the episode that that sort of like five minute set piece of uh, the the aliens uh, coming and taking Max and then the plane crashing. Uh, is almost played like a like a dramatization, like sort of an unsolved mysteries kind of thing or something. And yeah. you know, it's certain it's not to that degree. Of course, it's not as as hokey as as unsolved mysteries, but this is still very much a you know high production value X Files yeah. episode. But it is conjecture. We don't know, and and that's really what is part of it as well that, that we don't know what the truth of this situation was and that has some really interesting dialogue with the episode jose jungs from outer space and the uh uh el mundo gira right like those, those are dealing with conjecture of what possibly happened in something i mean you know again this is harping on a deconstruction of the very you know of something that we see every single time we watch the credits of this episode the truth is out there the truth is out there, but we may never approach it. We may never understand it. We may never actually see it. All we can have is our best guesses at the truth, our best interpretations of the truth. Right, and and that's also, I think, that the the framing device of this uh, this investigation about what happened to, to Flight Five Four Nine, which is also a nice little brilliant piece of of construction there, because you know they they are obviously trying to to find the truth of what happened to this mm-hmm. plane there's a lot they can't really figure out what happened and there's evidence that they don't know what to do with you know and and the thing is like Mulder has this really interesting line in the episode which which says like um, when he's talking to the investigator, and I, I also like the character of the investigator yeah. because you know this is an episode which very much could have gone down the road of a hard ass guy who doesn't like Mulder, and I don't think that's the case. He's very open and is willing to listen yeah. to to Mulder. But Mulder has this really really weird line in the episode, which I, I think is perfect for Mulder, where he says, "My theory is also the only one that has the advantage of not being uh, denied by the facts." And you're like, huh what <laughs> it's it's just such a, a a strange inversion of the normal way that you would do an investigation like you don't yeah. come up with a theory and then hope the facts don't fit it you look at the facts and come up with a theory yeah uh but when you you know but again nobody is going to start with you know it, it has to start with that premise of aliens right like that that's how his theory starts and everything kind of stems with it well aliens you know took the had the thing in their tractor beam and when they shot the alien ship down that you know man you know the plane died and you know 
we're not starting from, you know, we are starting from a place of conjecture. Again, we're starting from a place of, well, if there are aliens, then this could have happened. Right, yeah, and and, and obviously Mulder and, and Scully are, are, are working from incomplete information mm-hmm. just as the investigators are, but they also have the advantage of, well, what's this, uh, you know, what's this radiation burn stuff going on? Yeah. Uh, Max was on the plane. He has a knapsack, something, you know, his, his the woman who says that she is Max's sister, even though that turns out not to be the case, you know, she says, oh, well, he had something very important. And so there are pieces that the investigators wouldn't know about if Mulder and Scully did not get involved. Yeah, I mean, they they do characterize the investigator as somebody who, you know, is a decent guy who just wants to figure out what happened. Why did all these people die? Why did this plane crash? Uh, How do we prevent this from happening again? What exactly happened? Because, you know, in a certain sense, it's, it kind of ties in, I think, with the the, the Apollo 11 keychain that Mulder mm. gives Scully for her birthday as well. That And I love the fact that apparently the show has decided that there's a Cheers that the FBI agents hang out in. Oh, I thought um, it was a TJI Fridays, but okay. Well, you know what I mean. I'm just using that as a stand-in. <laughs> uh, but it is – like, it's, it's strange because – on the one hand, yes, of course it's fantastical. Like, there's no evidence that aliens exist, and it's very, very unlikely that an investigator with the NTSB is going to believe that an yeah. alien plane brought this or an alien craft brought this down. But on the other hand, it's a pretty simple explanation if you accept the the uh, you know the the existence of aliens, right? Like, it's not yeah. that strange. And so, you know, at the same time, like, it's a fantastical thing that that seems fantastical. But if you accept the reality of the situation, it's it's actually not that fantastic. It's still, you know. It still follows the rules of logic and the rules yeah. of physics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the the investigator is unfortunately 100% in the realm of the mundane. He doesn't realize that he's guesting on the X-Files. He thinks he's on Law and & Order. And- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but then on the other hand, you get this weird, um, you know, framing device with the Apollo 11 keychain that, that begins yeah. and ends this two-parter. And, you know, Mulder's like, oh, I got you this keychain. Scully's like, Oh, okay, like, great. What am I going to do with this? And then, you know, you know, 90 minutes later at the end of the second episode, you know, she's standing outside looking at the sky outside Max's trailer. You know, he, he comes out and asks her, you know, what she's thinking about. And, you know, she says, oh, I'm thinking about the keychain, And I think I know why you gave it to me. And it's this long, ponderous Chris yeah. Carter speech that's, you know, uh, very full of, of wonder and, and bullshit. And, you know, Mulder deflates it and just says, I just thought it was a cool keychain. And I think that's kind of what the entire episode is about in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, I like how the, the, the bir- her, him celebrating her birthday is set up because, I mean, the, the, the I love that cancer is never mentioned in this episode, right? Like, at one point she gets a nosebleed during the struggle, uh, during the gunfight, but that's pretty much the entirety that it's really dealt with it's subtext throughout especially the beginning where she's saying oh you've never celebrated my birthday before you've never given me anything before and it's very clear that you know it's a very awkward moment for both of them because you know to a degree he's celebrating his birthday her birthday now because she might not get another birthday you know she's yeah yeah and you know it's it it in a way, you know, I, I – well, maybe Mulder would not have phrased it in quite the terms that she's 
you know, sees it, maybe he wouldn't have given it quite that symbolic way. There is some resonance to giving that particular gift. Again, it's not, you know, a quote-unquote real gift in the sense that, you know, it's not an expensive gift, it's not a big gift, but it is something which, uh, and again, maybe it's something he isn't even able to quite articulate to her, but this is what he gives her to be his, be, for all he knows, his first and last birthday present to her, a, a present which is going to kind of encapsulate you know who they are together and what their what their work is for and what she is to him and what they are to each other and you know i think his deflation does come from a recognition of that awkwardness you know again she you know this is an episode in which there has been a lot of loss and the loss of scully is impending as well yeah. Well, and that's yeah, I think that's really true and 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 it's it also it's partly that that the gift means something, right? Yeah. Like it means something to Mulder and and by extension means something to Scully. You yeah. Know, gifts are are very often imbued with that sort of emotion and so it, it is the case that I mean it's an interesting framing device as well that it is, you know, Scully's birthday because that's re- and that's you know the birth, the rebirth, whatever you want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And she is fighting this very, de- you know, this very terrible disease that that she's not sure if she's going to be able to to escape from. And you know, at the same time, there's there's death and destruction all around her. I mean, there, you know, the plane crashes, Max dies. Yeah. Uh, you know, Agent Pendrel. I mean, let's talk about that. Oh. Um, you know, were you expecting that to happen? Well, I, I just want to go back a, a second to. Um, I don't want to talk about that quite yet, um, because I think there is also a. I mean, she's able to read the keychain, right? Like, he's able to... Mulder is trying to uh, express something inarticulable to her, and she's able to read it. So, in a way, Mulder is not alone. Just as Max has this woman, Sharon, or whatever her name is, like, who is able to at least understand him and communicate to them. I mean, I think it's a... I think that's a pretty important part of the episode, too. Mulder is not somebody who is just in a basement by himself being crazy he is he does have a source of support yeah no absolutely he does but yeah agent pendrel um i weep for that man i did not expect him to be killed (laughs) i i i I thought when they you know when he just got shot and she's like he's not gonna die take him to the hospital like he was going to be okay but doesn't that i mean doesn't that kind of fit in with the themes of the episode yeah. that we're examining though because you know agent pendrel has has been a, a you know a, a presence on the show for yeah. i think since the first season maybe i don't know um i don't remember his first appearance but you know he's always been someone in a very particular context that that Mulder and scully go to when they they need something done and uh in this episode it becomes personal you know he he's there he's obviously a little drunk yeah and he wants to celebrate scully's birthday with her i mean i think in a certain sense he's he's gotten up enough courage to bridge the gap between the professional and the personal and it doesn't work out for him i mean it it, in a weird way it is speaking to the the theme of this episode which is that you know you can't wait you have to grab life and you have to do what you want to do uh when you want to do it because if you don't well you might die or <laughs> you might not get the chance or the other person might die or whatever yeah i mean it's almost sad that he seems to like he misinterprets the situation he thinks that she's with uh you know 
Frisch rather than just she's with him. Uh, you know, and he's still like, well, let me buy both of you a drink. Like, you know, he's, you know, he, he accepts that in that way. Like, you know, I think he has accepted that he's never going to be with Scully, but he is going to, you know, he can at least buy her a drink still, you know, that doesn't, you know, ruin any professional relationship they have. But, um, you know, I wonder if he's uh, one of those other, you know, we've talked a bit about parts of the episode, uh, parts of the series that have been just kind of circumstanced in, you know, again, Scully needing to, you know, Jillian Anderson needing to leave uh, to have a baby, in order, you know, which brought this entire kind of plot there. Um, I mean, I assume Agent Pembrel was somebody that they just hired for an episode and they kind of liked his chemistry with her and he just kept, you know, coming on and now he is this... Uh, you know, major, you know, again, it's a very major sense of loss that he's killed, even though he's a tiny character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a certain sense, he's he's similar to a lot of the other, you know, minor characters, uh, like that uh, professor at the University of Maryland that Mulder yeah. and Scully go to every once in a while, that, that you know, it, it's that, he's that kind of character. And it's sad to see him go. I think yeah. that the, it was the right choice to have him get shot and die at the end of the episode. I mean, obviously, it's a, a very strong cliffhanger. And the reason why it's strong and the reason why it does affect us so deeply is that it's personal. It's ta- it's yeah. speaking once again to the emotions of these characters. And, you know, it could have been the case that the, the you know, mustachioed evil guy with the gun shot some random person. But that yeah. would have not been... Uh, uh, a loss and it is also i think separating uh, uh Mulder and scully from the rest of of humanity in a weird way like they are on this quest that they can't bring anybody else yeah. into and if they do they're going to die yeah i mean pembrel is in his way like the ultimate innocent right like he's just a te- you know he he he's an agent they know him you know he's fresh faced and you know just a nice guy and he likes and I, I just and, have know. to say, I just, I don't mean to cut you off but I just have to say that like I think it's really sad that you're not saying his name right it's not Pembrol it's Pendrol oh no well since when do we say names right on this show um you know but but at the same you know which does dovetail with Scully realizing at the end she doesn't even know his first name like she has kind of kept that wall from him for many reasons again she's not somebody who dates as it is and so she's not you know she's going to specifically call him agent tendril because you know she 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 doesn't want to encourage him too much and you know to that degree because you know she's not on the market in a way but yeah like we we never at the end of the day we know nothing about him other than he works for the fbi and he has a crush on scully and that's a little sad and he must be good at his job. I mean, he's an well, FBI agent, and he sticks around. Oh, well, yeah. And he apparently drinks alone at bars. Well, you know. I mean, that is, that is a long line of X-Files characters not having the most fulfilling or satisfying or happy personal lives. Yeah. I, I, I Have we met anybody who's had a good personal life? Um... Maybe. I don't know. You could argue the lone gunmen are happy. Yeah, they've but got each other. They do have each other. They all sleep in the. They all sleep in a California king together. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, you know, and and I guess you know there, there's a couple other things to to talk about. You know, before I wrap this podcast up, I mean, I think one is, um, you know, Fring as well. 
uh, or, or not his name, uh, Fresh, Fresh. Not Frank. Frank is someone else. Uh, Frank is someone from Breaking Bad. Uh, Fresh, because he is an interesting character as well. I mean, he doesn't really. I don't know. He, I struggle with what his role in the episode is. I mean, obviously yeah. he has a role in the cover up and the plot of the episode, but there's a there's a real sort of like. I can't ever get a handle on him. I can never really figure out what kind of character he's supposed to be and what he is supposed to represent in this episode. I mean, I, 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 I so wait, I, one of the things I, I actually realized I, I didn't understand, where does he end up in this episode? I mean, the last I kind of remember of him is, uh, you know, Skinner saying, well, he needs to be, you know, he's the military has arrest is arresting him. You know, that's countermanding the order for protection. Um, do, do we see him after that? I don't believe so. No, I think that that's the last we hear of him. And so we assume that he has been arrested for that. I mean, he is somebody who is just another uh another nobody in a way ground up by this conspiracy as is uh his partner, I don't remember his name. Um but you know, somebody who is just given this order to do this terrible thing and you know, suddenly gets a crisis of conscience, tries to do the right thing, but he is in a system that is so much bigger than he is that, you know, even his attempts to do the right thing don't really work out for him. I mean, you know, he is yeah. not, you know, if he's arrested, he's not alive for much longer, let's face it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, or, or he's locked up forever and no one's yeah. ever going to hear from him again. You know, I think that that's right. I mean, the the reach of this conspiracy is vast and, and, and almost a joke at this point. Um but it also, I think, maybe his character is speaking to to the real collateral damage of the conspiracy and the cover up, and you know everything that's going on uh, with the mythology, and how they just don't care. I mean, essentially, yeah. they engineered this uh, uh, airplane airline disaster, uh, killed 150 people plus Max. You know, this uh, his partner uh, killed himself. You know, Frisch is now in prison. Agent Pendrel is dead. And they don't care. No, no, nobody cares. They they don't care about the collateral damage of what they're doing. And yeah. maybe what they're doing is this important. You know, we don't have any real context or way of knowing that. But, you know, I don't believe that the ends justify the means. I, I don't think you do. And this is not the way to do this. Yeah, I mean, the mustachioed guy has the... Um and basically says like you know this is all wor- he 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 claims that everything is worth it even his own you know even if he were killed as a result of that worth it to keep the secret but um you know in no way does the is the x-files on that side i mean in no way does it believe that there is you know uh, i i much as the truth is a muddied thing the truth is a good thing you know getting the truth out there is a good thing yeah and, yeah you know, there a, a a government which is keeping secrets is is wrong. I mean, I remember that one. Uh, there's the one scene with uh, Max's tape where he's saying, you know, why is the U.S. government doing this? In Finland, they've figured this out, and you know, here they've you know talked about this thing, and you know, why is the U.S. government keeping this secret? And you know, it is a we 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 talk ever so often about you know what is the x-files' view of america um and specifically you know it, does it believe that there is you know mostly good people with a few cancerous elements or does it believe that it's all correct all corrupt with a few good elements and i mean this episode seems to suggest that the government is conducting itself that the government conducts itself in a way that is secretive uh and that's and that that's secret that's 
and that that secretiveness is kind of unusual and that that secretiveness is wrong. I mean, this is a again in 2017 we will you know we can talk very fluently about the sins of america and i think in the 90s that was less again i think we thought we were in a better place um we thought we were a better country than that and uh i i i think that is part of what the x-files is trying to talk about yeah i i think so because you know on a very fundamental level to to really boil the the x-files conspiracy down to its barest element is what is the purpose of this you know they are they are conducting this massive massive cover-up of something they are Mm -hmm. you know killing scores of innocent people we don't know how many people they've killed they've destroyed lives you know uh us you know Mulder and Scully have both lost uh, you know family members to this um they're they're shooting down planes They're, they're doing all kinds of really terrible things and it has to be for something. I don't think that Mulder and Scully believe that that this is appropriate or good or necessary. I don't think yeah. that Max believed that. I don't think that, you know, if Agent Pendrel had known about this, I don't think he would have believed that either. And, you know, the show is 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 really operating in a gray area because it's not going so far as to say that that what these uh, people are doing or even what the government is doing is is out and out bad. It's just that it's not uh, it's not um, it's not appropriate, and and it's almost mm. as though it's beyond good and evil in a way. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think there is nothing. No secret that is worth doing all this for in the eyes of Mulder Scully and Chris Carter. You know, I think that's right. Yeah. You, it is better to be open about one's sins and deal with those and rectify this. I mean, it almost seems like, you know, the way the government is characterized, it's doing all of these bad things. And rather than uh, change itself and be better, it's doing worse things. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 getting itself locked into a situation, a, you know, a spiral downward uh, that it's going to be very difficult for it to, to get out of. You know, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about uh, Unrequited last week. You know, it, wouldn't it have been better for, you know, the U.S. to just admit like, oh, we fucked up. There are still some prisoners of war. We're going to get those boys back. Um, but what what does it do? It denies their existence and, you know... Cause you know gets this cover up. I mean that's similar to what the conspiracy is doing about aliens. You know, rather again, rather than admit that it's do it's that's something, rather than admit a mistake, it's killing everybody who might know that they made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, and and oddly enough, though, I mean we we haven't really talked about the the character of the woman who who says she's Max's sister and isn't actually Max's sister because you know she is the one that drives all this forward, and I think she ties in very nicely to what we're talking about right now because you know she's kind of in a similar position where she doesn't really know what's going on, what this is all for, um, but she does something as well which could be construed as bad. I mean, she steals yeah. this thing and it sets all these events into motion. And in a sense, I mean, I'm not necessarily arguing this, but you could make the argument that the deaths of those people on that flight are her fault. It's the difference between fault and culpability in a way. Like, I don't think she's culpable for their deaths, but she does set the chain of events in motion. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can see that. Um, because, you know, because really what it comes down to is like nobody who has any sort of visibility into the conspiracy uh, 
it has no has is under no illusions that the conspiracy will not kill innocent people to to continue the conspiracy. Whereas yeah. I don't think she knows that, and so I don't think it's her her fault. I mean, I don't think she's culpable yeah. for the deaths. Yeah, yeah, she would honestly have no way of knowing that this was going to happen. She thought that she was doing something that was you know going to be a good thing eventually. Yeah, you tell um, the mustache man, you know, a plane full of people is going to die because of your actions, and he's like, yeah, what the fuck ever. You tell her she's going to try and come up with a different plan. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I you know, at the end of the day too, like I don't I struggle with her character as well. I mean, I'm not certainly saying these are two perfect episodes because, you know, in the same way that I I, I kinda get what, what Frisch's character is there for, and I kinda get why she's there. I also kinda don't get why she's there. Yeah. You know, the whole thing with her being Max's sister is kind of like why even bother with that? I'm not really sure. Um, there are certain elements to that character, which I'm kind of like, eh, this is a little miss, a bit of a misfire. And I, I think there's a reason why she's, she's missing for like most of it. Yeah. Why pose? She doesn't a, matter that much. Why pose as a sister? If she's going to pose as anything, why not? Oh, I'm a friend of his. Like they would ask fewer questions. And frankly, you know, when Scully visits her in the hospital, you know, she says like, you lied about that. What else are you lying about? Like that breaks the trust in her a bit. You know, if she had just, yeah. You know, even if she hadn't told the whole story, if she had, you know, pretended to a less of a, you know, it, it, at the same time, I guess there is part of a, well, I have this, I'm his sister, I would never lie. I mean, sisters are important in this show, right? Like, so both Mulder and Scully, you know, uh, there is a symbolic weight to being somebody's sister, but... I guess, yeah, I guess it's supposed to just set up so, oh, we're not going to question this because you're family yeah. in the same way that if they were friends or whatever, it wouldn't necessarily, uh, she thinks that they wouldn't respect yeah. that relationship as much. But I think they would. I mean, Mulder and Scully yeah. are not related and they have a strong yeah. uh, relationship, probably stronger than with their families. Frankly. And again, this is the FBI. They can figure out in about five, ten minutes that uh, these people aren't related. Max had no sister. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think the last thing I, I want to talk about, unless there's anything else you want to talk about before we end this episode, is the the missing time stuff. Because you know, in in a in a two parter that that goes back to the well of stuff that hasn't been examined very much, you know, in the X Files in in a couple of seasons. You know, the X Files really did start out as kind of a, a, a series that was just talking about alien abductions, and and there's a lot mm-hmm. of classic hallmarks of alien abductions. I have talked on the X Files podcast before about my fascination with alien abduction stories when I was a teenager. And um I don't get the missing time thing because I, I get the missing yeah. time thing that for some reason time stops and so if it's seven forty and time stops and you come out of it ten minutes later at seven fifty, the plane crashes at seven fifty, but their watches say seven forty. But um, that's not the case here, and I can't figure out if it's a mistake or not. Because they say that the plane went down at 7.52, but all their watches say 8.01. So Mulder's like, ah, oh, there's nine missing minutes. And I'm like, shouldn't their watches all say 7.33 if there are nine missing minutes? No, like, I, or 7.43 if there are nine missing minutes? I'm not sure I, I, I think the people on the plane experienced nine more minutes than the rest of the world did. Yes, no, I understand that, but... Their watches are supposed. Their watches are supposed to stop because when Mulder is on that plane in the second episode, his watch stops. Yeah, no, it's 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 it makes sense if my watch keeps going for nine minutes and then I get back and my watch says eight oh one and it's seven. You know, whatever. I can't do math right now. And um, again, I experienced nine more minutes as did my watch than the rest of the world. For the watch to stop, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I don't know if they figured that out i mean it's a striking metaphor but 
yeah, I, I, it, I it, it see it seems like a mistake to me. The mechanics of it, I don't understand, but I didn't question them until this moment. So there we go. Well, I think it's yeah, that that's probably about as good as we can get with the X Files. Uh, the mechanics of it don't completely make sense and are kind of fuzzy, but you don't question it in the moment. So who cares? <laughs> All right, well, I think we'll call it an episode. If you have any thoughts on Tempest, Fugit, or Max, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. As we said earlier, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. It also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are discussing the Star Trek Voyager episodes concerning Flight and Mortal Coil this week. And also, if you give us $5 a month or more, you get access to our patron specials. We do one of those a month. Uh, there are now 26 of them out there for your listening pleasure, so it would be a great time to give. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tuning In Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, leave us a review, any place you listen to the show. All right, next week we're going to be talking about the X-Files episodes Synchrony and Small Potatoes. I love potatoes. Mac, why do you...